Hi guys, I hope you're all doing well. Welcome back to another episode of Legally Crimed. It's somehow already July and I can't quite comprehend that. I feel like June, I know we always say this, like, oh, I can't believe it's like whatever months, but like June, what was June? I don't know. I don't remember it. it it's been and gone in a flash. I, I, if you had asked me one thing I did in June, I can't really remember. I couldn't tell you. A highlight of June. It's just not there. Well, yeah, weren't we saying this like today? We we're just like, what has actually yeah. happened to the year? Like, I have nothing to show for June, and June is normally like quite a peak month because it's like right at the start of summer. You know, you like you're so excited to be off and that. You know, because sometimes you get a bit bored towards the end. But like June is normally everyone's still quite hyped. But no, it's just like I don't. It was just a dead month. Um, <laughs> once again, we can just blame COVID for that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, unless you have anything, any exciting June developments. Well, I, honestly, no, I was sitting thinking about this. I was like, I, you know how have you seen the tweets and it's like people are talking about a hot girl summer, right? I, but actually, you're doing like a work girl summer. That's actually how I feel. Yeah. Like I, feel I like, know you've been a, you've been a busy wee worker, haven't you? I feel like I literally like plan my life around like sleeping for work, like doing how much you like. Yeah. Sorry, this is, this, is what I, this is what I was saying. Like, I feel like a part time job takes up more of your life than a full time job because you're always like planning around you you always have to think about like when your shifts are because you don't always know because they're like always different and you have to like plan around it and you have to like yeah like you're saying because your hours can be crazy so you have to like plan your sleep accordingly it's just it yeah um so I know June was a weird one we did get to um have a semi-graduation though which was really nice yeah that was actually see to be fair I was saying to my mom and dad's well right I don't know if you feel this way I actually think that might have been nicer than the ceremony. Like, obviously, the ceremony would be lovely. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, it was it was really really good to get like we um we got to get gowns and get like some professional you know graduation pictures and stuff. Um, because I was like I saw a few clips of like just a random graduation ceremony like from a few years ago, and it did kind of make me nervous because you have to like walk across the stage and stuff. That, that <laughs> you fail. Like, oh my god. I would fall. I'm definitely the person that would fall. I like I have no coordination. I definitely would fall. So I mean, I'm guessing God I didn't have to risk that. And yeah, I guess it would have been one of those things that you're like, us now we're kind of like wishing we had one. But then if we did have one, we'd probably be sitting in it being like, this is so boring. <laughs> yeah, like. Um, my dad was first saying that he was like why oh, didn't we enjoy your wee day was like, I didn't have to sit for four hours and wait for your name to be called in three seconds well this is uh, <laughs> yeah I know like we could do that and like we could you know have plenty of time to like take pictures and it was quite chill and relaxed and yeah but I mean I really enjoyed it and yeah I think it was it was still a really good way to kind of celebrate it so that was great I really enjoyed that to be um, fair um, another June thing which made me quite happy as and I know it's a bit dead this year I know it's been getting slated on Twitter but Love Island's back listen Love Island is basically like you know it's summer when Love Island's on like it's it's just a vibe where you watch it you know it's like yes okay summer is here Love Island's on but I mean yeah I guess it is a little bit dead so far this year but like I think we've we say this kind of every year like there's always a bit of a oh this cast is a bit uh, or nothing's happening but then it does pick up so I feel like we just need to give it some time, you know. Um, although I do think I saw someone say on Twitter that um, it would like Love Island was was different when people didn't know how famous and stuff they would get from it. Like they genuinely just went on it because they wanted to be on the show. Yeah, I think as well. Like for me, I did much prefer, apart from like the Amber season, which obviously was an elite season. Season, but, yeah, season five, like Tommy and Molly May and stuff. 
yeah like that yeah hands that, down. that was top tier because we had like Ovi as well just like oh peak absolutely it, like Maura Curtis like oh Maura oh what a queen I just yeah I used to genuinely or I still do I don't know what I'm saying I used to organize my time around making sure I was back for that love island oh yeah I remember like I was in um I was on holiday in Florida when it was on and I me and my brother were like trying to find um like trying to find it online like just to watch it because we were we were two yeah, weeks no. two whole weeks yeah we were like oh my god how can we watch it like in this country um so yeah we were committed because it was just an elite season but I think this season it has potential but I'm, I'm also just kind of like is it just gonna be the same stuff same storylines because let's be real they are engineered storylines guys it's not just like spontaneous you know it's the same stuff that happens every year we know that that Jake guy is going to go off with someone and going to leave Liberty like we all heartbroken and stuff Kaz whoever I don't even know half their names is it Toby I think it's Toby Toby's the one that name? plays for hashtag isn't it he's the one that looks like you know Michael and Wes and all that like that that box oh yeah uh-huh I don't know yeah. yeah the one that was like lying on was, yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah he he's obviously not into it so he's probably going to do a like Casamor like, situation so you know we know we kind of know what's going to come up but I'm also just like I feel like there's some good personalities in it you know to like really spice things up I a little bit I feel like there is potential like yeah it's not that there's not potential but the way they're just scripting it this year I'm like guys I feel like they're trying to make it really dramatic but it's just not like with all the cliffhangers like guys we're just not that interested yet okay I don't care if there's a cliff I wasn't like there's been so many cliffhangers already it's only been like a week and when it does end on a cliffhanger I'm not like oh man I can't wait you know I don't really care I'm just like all right okay I'll just find it tomorrow like you know I mean it's not like it's not hyping me up yet yeah so I feel like they need to tone it down with it like I normally wouldn't miss a night like wouldn't go on Twitter I'll now just go on Twitter and look like yeah I know it's like yeah I can basically get what I need to know from Twitter so I'm just a bit like ugh um, but I, I, it will pick up as things start so as more people come in there's like two is it two new people coming in tonight or something or next week I think there's two mm-hmm. bombshells tonight two girls coming in I know but also I think this needs to be said what's the point of putting 21 year olds on that I'm sorry but like it's- I'm I'm t- I'm turning 22 this year. Okay, let's not even talk about that. But anyway, um, I cannot imagine going on that show. Like, I do not feel old enough to go on that show. Like, why? It's supposed to be like looking for love. Okay, we all know it's, that's not what it's about because it's like no no couples really last apart from like a few. It's all about your um, brand deal when you get out. It really is. It's about the brand deals. You know, it's like yeah I just don't get the point in going in there for your 21 I feel like it would be much more interesting if there was older people because they've had more like life experience and they've just got more to them do you know what I mean yeah no I agree I think I actually was howling though because I follow that Amber and she like tweets every night about it like she doesn't she's always on it I know I'm a bit like hen do you like <laughs> and she said uh, she was like oh was it this obvious like when I went I saw that oh yeah she was like oh my god like I'm so embarrassed did everyone know it was this obvious and I was like oh but it really wasn't though everyone thought they were like solidified no with Michael like that season the way actually I might rewatch it I'm not joking oh yeah explosive just so good because there was them Curtis and Amy the iconic um I was coming over here to tell you that I loved you loved you (laughs) I like to be the person that makes the coffees in the morning no it's when she's sitting there Holding her VR out, and she's going, and just when you like someone, like you want to give them a cuddle in bed, he's like deadpan, like sociopathic, deadpan, no emotion whatsoever. 
And he's just like, I also want to be the person that makes all the coffees in the morning. Like, what the fuck? Like, okay, barista, bag it off. <laughs> oh my god, I know. So yeah, season five, unbeatable. This season, I don't even know what season we're on. Season seven. Um, potential is still there. Potential remains. Um, so yeah, there might be a little Love Island segment in the episodes uh, from now on. <laughs> okay, well, to be fair, I bought no next week. That'll be quite a while away, but I'm excited to find out tonight what Hugo's crying about. Yeah, I know. What could he have said? He seems really a lovely know. boy as well. I'd be very surprised if it was anything that was actually. But then again, I could eat my words, and it could be. I know. I mean, we've we've always been shocked on Love Island. I think so. You know, it's it's an exciting time. The drama, I think, is coming. We just need to stick it out a little bit. <laughs> So this week, we are discussing a case based very close to us, that being the story of Bible John and his tirade across the Barrowland ballrooms. If you live in Glasgow or like anywhere around there, you'll know that the Barrowlands is like a really famous, like, it feels weird saying this, but like a landmark. Yeah. <laughs> like, I obviously doesn't feel like that. It was always when I was like, I say wee, but like teenager, like my favourite place to go for gigs. You could always get served underage, which is um, probably something you should be putting out there for the Barrowlands reputation, but... Yeah, Megan was never involved in that though, were you, Megan? You only heard that from other people. Honestly, just just from other people, never me or anyone I was with. No. But, <laughs> and it was always like a really good atmosphere. Um, it was kind of always like, always after a gig, like you felt like you could stay around, like it was just really good. But the crimes of Bible John definitely, I think, changed the connotations for the Barrowlands. And I didn't really know about this till quite a few years after I started going. And when I found out, even I was quite like, oh, it gives it definitely a different kind of outlook. Now, the Barrowlands is well known for music and gigs. However, it used to have a variety of nights and was kind of like a nightclub. This is, I mean, I'm just imagining a nightclub like in the 60s. Probably not how we imagine nightclubs now, but the their kind of nightclub. I said there as if there's, anyway, it was like a nightclub, okay? Sixties <laughs> nightclub. And especially um, on a Thursday, um, which it was kind of like the over 25s night. This I can't take this seriously. More appropriately coined grab a granny night. This is like over 25. Why? I I actually I want to dive into this a little bit because I have a theory that um the X Factor like when we were younger made everyone think that everyone over twenty five was like over the hill and like absolutely past it because I remember thinking like the overs category was like all the oldies twenty five well, I'm literally they, a few years off twenty five as soon as you said over twenty five there I first thing I thought of was the X Factor yeah because you used to have a category because yeah it was over twenty fives and like see back to Love Island that Rachel and she's twenty nine. And like everyone's really shocked that she's 29 and she looks like that. But I was I was like, guys, women don't like decompose when we get past 25. <laughs> Genuinely, people were acting as if she was in her like, you know, what I mean 50, 60s on Love Island. Yeah, like, as if like some bad spinster. I was like, what what did you expect her to look at like at 29? Like she's not gonna, you know, start grey hair and all this. <laughs> like so yeah, over 25 apparently is grab a granny night, so that's great. That makes me feel great about turning 25 in three years. Um, but anyway, 
People introduced themselves under plausible pseudonyms and their wedding rings were subtly slipped off at the door, ready for a night's worth of easily won intimacy, temporary relief from the slow oppressions of routine, work and home. This is when Patricia Docker was attending, and absolutely no judgment here for any of the people that were attending these nights. So she was there on the night of the 22nd of February in 1968. Patricia was 25 years old and an auxiliary nurse. She was married but estranged from her husband, which in those days we know was a big shame on the couple. But, you know, funnily enough, normally only the woman would be the focus of that um, shame and not the man. Patricia defied the stigma, however, and attended the Barrowlands nightclub. She told her parents that she was spending the night dancing at the majestic ballroom in Hope Street. However, for unknown reasons, she ended up at the Barrowlands. However, when she failed to return home that night or the next morning, her parents actually just assumed she spent the night with a friend. However, this was tragically not deemed to be the case when her body was found just yards from her home in Langside Place. Her body was found by a locked-up garage by a man on his way to work at Carmichael Place. It was apparent that she'd experienced blunt force trauma to her face and her head, and she'd been strangled to death. And also, her handbag, her watch and her clothes were all missing from the scene. Strangely, her handbag was recovered from the river cart by an underwater search unit. This isn't the strangest part of the case, and something that would become a recurring theme. Patricia's sanitary pad was found lying at her side. A post-mortem conducted by Gilbert Forbes at the University of Glasgow Medical School confirmed that the cause of death had been strangulation and that Docker's body bore no evidence of sexual assault. However, this has been strongly contested by others as Bible John's motives are often depicted as being sexual, the deaths almost as a judgment. This sent shockwaves through the Glasgow community due to the exact nature of the crime. However, it did become a bit of a cold case until Bible John strike again 18 months later. On the 16th of August 1969, a 32-year-old mother of three named Jemima MacDonald attended the Barrowland Ballroom for an evening of dancing. This was Jemima's regular spot and she often attended in like like we were saying a bit earlier on about the Thursday, a Saturday night seems a bit more reputable. Like, I know that's a bit of a side note, but that's why people actually say this was kind of picked up a wee bit more. At midnight, McDonald was seen by people in the company of a young and well-dressed man of a slim build, aged between 25 and 35, in between six foot and six foot two. He spoke with a distinctive Glaswegian accent and would often speak briefly in biblical quotations. Jemima was seen leaving the Barrowlands shortly after midnight on the 17th of August in the company of this man and was seen last walking towards either the Main Street or Landresi Street in the direction of her home at around 20 to 1 in the morning. Jemima's sister and family became worried when she did not return home that night, which was very out of character for her as she normally was excited to see her children after a night out on the town. Margaret, Jemima's sister, heard rumours of young children who had been spotted leaving derelict tenement buildings in Mc... who had been spotted leaving derelict tenement buildings in McKeith Street discussing a body on the premises. Obviously unbelievably worried, 
Margaret walked to the building and discovered her sister lying face down, visibly battered with her shoes and stockings lying beside her. So at this point, it wasn't completely connected to Bible John, but the locals and police had started to see similarities. Same as Patricia, Jemima's sanitary towel was left at the side of her body, which is obviously very distinctive to happen twice. And Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's a very specific detail. This isn't just like, you know, they're like the contents of their handbag or something being like sprawled out as like, you know, at the scene, like it's a sanitary pad. Like that is, that's like a, what, what do they call it in my mind? It's a signature. Yeah, yeah a signature. <laughs> Excuse me, but, Dr. Reed. Um, move over. Get that out take over. <laughs> but still, tales and descriptions of Bible John were few and far between. It was very much just they could only go off what was left at the crime scene. However, it was his third known victim that gave rise to the nickname Bible John. Again, nicknames just feel weird to say and like in these kind of cases like we were saying in the episode about the serpent like a nickname sounds like a, a fond thing like a you know or like it's like a term of endearment almost like because you know someone well and you've got a wee nickname for them it just feels weird to use in this context but um I guess when you don't know who the person is but then I, I think calling him Bible John it almost again it's like a, it's almost like a kind of flattering name especially like in those kind of times when it was still quite I think people would have been still quite religious I think back in the 60s wouldn't they yeah. so it kind of almost sounds like someone like a priest or something maybe I'm like totally wrong but like I don't know it just it doesn't strike me as like you know like Jack the Ripper that's quite like an intense nickname yeah Bible John sounds like that sounds terrible but it's like someone down at your local pub like yeah it's like oh we Bible John down the road you know what I mean like it's it doesn't stri- like if you t- quoted that name to me, I wouldn't be like, oh, he's you know probably dangerous. Like I would if you, you know someone was referred to as Jack the Ripper. Yeah, like wow, I should stay away. <laughs> like yeah. So yeah, it's strange to call him a nickname, but that's what he became known as. Helen Puttock attended the Barrowland Ballroom on the last night of October in 1969 with her sister Jean Langford. Both became acquainted with two men named John. One of these individuals has said he worked as a slater and resided in Castle Milk, while the other individual had been a well-spoken man who did not disclose where he actually lived. After being in the company of these two individuals for an excess of an hour, all four of them left the Barrowlands to head home. John, who had been Jean's dance partner, walked to George Square to board a bus, while Helen her sister, and the John who had been Puttock's dance partner hailed a taxi. So the trio set off from Glasgow Cross, and this is where one of the most crucial conversations in relation to Bible John's kind of psychological profile became apparent. Langford later actually confirmed... Oh, sorry. Langford later informed Detective that her sister's companion had been a teetotal individual quoted from the Old Testament stories of Moses kind of during the time that she was she and her sister kind of spoke to him and this was mostly in reference to foster children they also included them referring to the Barrowland as an adulterous den of inquiry and disapproved of married women visiting there which is really funny considering he was visiting there so it was like this is what I mean this is what I can't stand like why are you judging people when you're literally doing the same thing? <laughs> you're actually, you're going and getting with people that you're so judgy of. Like, 
Yeah, it's like, no, sorry. <laughs> Jean then left the taxi and said goodbye to her sister for what would be the last time. The next day, her body was found beside a drain pipe in the back garden of her L Street flat. She had been stripped partially naked, beaten and raped, then strangled with her own stocking. The contents of her handbag had been scattered close to her body, although the handbag itself was missing from the crime scene. Grass and weed stains upon the soles of Puttick's feet and shoes indicated that she had engaged in a ferocious struggle with her killer. She had eventually at one point attempted to scale a nearby railway embankment. Her body also bore a deep bite mark on her upper right thigh. Helen had also been in her period at the time of the murder and her sanitary pad once again was left below her arm. And this is really like discussed a lot, whether this was a coincidence or not. I just don't think it can be. How can it be a coincidence? Like three, that's three women now that have been found with their sanitary pad next to them. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to put this out there. Most guys are totally grossed out by periods. Like, you try and bring up a period around a guy and they get so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, they, I, I really don't think, like, like, to open up a pad, I mean, I don't know what the kind of packaging was like back then, but, you know, to, like, open it up and to have it, like, out on display, especially, like, back in the 60s when people were just a lot more conservative in general and you wouldn't really talk about, like, a lot of stuff. Like, I don't imagine periods would be as, like, openly discussed as they are now. And even now it's, like, it's not, it's still not the, like, the best. Do you know what I mean? So it's, like, that just, it can't be a coincidence that, like, it's just left out like that. Do you know what I mean? There's been, like, a few theories on it, and one of the interesting ones I thought was that it was a coincidence that we were on our period, but he tried to have sex with them, and then they said no because of that, and that's when he got angry. But I'm also, like, yeah. why are you doing that in the, the mid, I don't know, the middle of a busy street? Like, because I'm, it, I feel like it is... If they're if they're all in their periods, like that is quite a coincidence. But then I'm also like, would they really have said no? Yeah, it's just a really really strange thing that I can't really like explain and I can't really understand that well. Yeah, and it just seems like even aside from this, the similarities at this point were glaring. All the victims were mothers. It'd been the battle and ballroom had their handbags missing, had been strangled to death, and at least two had been raped. And now Jean was the only source, the only person that seemed to have any kind of clues to who Bible John was and be able to figure out. From Jean's description, Scotland Yard put out the first ever self-created digital picture. It was quite scary, but it's, I mean, it's mental to think that, like, that's the first one, you know? Like, how often these are used now, it's weird to think that, that this was the first one, this case was the first one that made, like, Scotland Yard do it. Yeah. With its mocking eyes and air of tightly coiled evangelical malice, the result looks more like a depiction of a devil than a sober investigative tool. It's something repeated even more famously in both the Zodiac Killer case. Things got so intense across Glasgow that police were handing out cards to men in the city certifying that they weren't Bible John. That that's quite something. I've never heard that before. Like, yeah. that, this sort, is this a, an actual practice that used to go about? Like, that's pretty intense. Glasgow's not small um, town, do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, 
I mean, I guess I can kind of see because John is probably, well, isn't John like the most common name? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, thinking about that time as well, it's a common name now, never mind back then. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I just, I mean, I think that's absolutely fascinating. Like, don't worry, I've got proof it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> the police interviewed over 920 doctors and dentists when Jean remembered the two overlapping teeth. Over 400 barbers and hairdressers quizzed on the hope of finding the distinctive reddish hair. And they also questioned 260 tailors who might have sold the odd, slightly continental suit. All of this and nothing back. Which I think is so interesting. Like there, There's quite a few um, distinctive features about this guy. Like, you know, the teeth and the hair. Like reddish hair because I feel like there's a stereotype that like all Scottish people are ginger but like literally hardly anyone's ginger in Scotland yeah it's actually not that common I think I mean actually I think it really isn't it would be much more common to say he had brown hair or we blonde yeah so again that's really distinctive and then the whole thing about like the suit and then they still just like didn't didn't get anywhere investigation was held over by detective Joe Beatty who is still renowned in Scotland Yard by other police officers for this investigation. He employed the, and this is going to sound really callous, right, but I feel like I get why you would call it this, the Bible John Dancing Squad, <laughs> which not the best, once again, not the best name. It's, I mean, it's just a bit, like, kind of insensitive. Yeah, it's not. Dancing Squad. <laughs> I don't know um, what it, word. It kind of reminds me of um, calling OG's lawyers the dream team. It's yeah. like, guys, <laughs> this is a serious situation, okay? Yeah, I think maybe they were busy with other things, trying to find Bible John. I get it, but... Well, um, if they were that busy, they would have time to come up with these ridiculous names, the, the dancing squad. Like, oh, before we start, lads, we need a cool team name. It's like when you sit down at a pub quiz, it's like, oh, thank you, team. That's well, right. like... What are we going to be called? What are we like? Oh, honestly. Imagine, I imagine them all like gathering around a table, like everyone's throwing in ideas. And that's just it's the like one in the, and this is the one that's stuck. Like you're on The Apprentice in like the first week oh. and they've picked, they think of a name. And it's always something like Conquer or something like that. Oh, it's always like something you would get when you go on like the courses at schools for business and that. Like. Oh, it's always really dramatic. Oh, that's so funny. But this quote-unquote squad were a team of 16 detectives who kind of kicked about the battlelands on the off chance that someone of a similar description to Bible John would return. However, Detective Joe Beatty has been criticised today about how reliant the police became in the press and how actually this has maybe backfired in the operation, which I don't think, especially back then, this wasn't uncommon to happen. Yeah, I mean, this is a really difficult one. Like, it's in the 60s. They're obviously not going to have the resources that we have now. So it's kind of like, they kind of have to rely a bit on the press because really, what else do they have? Like, they don't have the forensics that we have now. It's like a completely different time. They're obviously not, it's easy to criticise now, you know, like with all the stuff that we have and all the procedures that we have now. But I think back then, you you do have to kind of, I mean, I'm not always one to give the police a bit of slack, but I think here you kind of do. So let's discuss the three main suspects of who Bible John could be. Firstly, former Detective Chief Inspector Les Brown, 
who was then working with the Strathclyde Police, has supplied current investigators with details of the arrest of a suspect conducted in 1969, which he believes was of an extremely likely depiction of Bible John, but was dismissed simply because this individual did not have notably overlapping front teeth. He apparently gave a fake name and address when first interviewed. That's a difficult one. I mean, the teeth thing, I guess it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's one part of the puzzle. And like one person could think that his teeth were like really obviously overlapping and then someone else could like think it's not that obvious, like, you know, not even notice it. Do you know what I mean? I think things like this are like so subjective. Yeah. And according to Brown, the simple fact this particular su- suspect didn't have the overlapping front teeth despite one of the police sergeant's acknowledgement of him being the best suspect yet was enough to order his release. The quote-unquote whole demeanour of this individual had led Les Brown and several of his colleagues to believe that this guy might actually have been Bible John but this I feel like really tried to look in more to this guy there really is nothing on them which makes me think that if they were that strong on it would you have let him go yeah I mean it's like using his demeanor I feel like that's just their way of being like his vibe you know the vibe was there yeah I'm just a bit like I don't know is it enough probably not really I mean there's yeah there's nothing else to tie him to it um just because he like had a bad bit of a bad energy I don't think it's enough to be a, a serial killer but bad energy doesn't really stand up and go up does it no secondly a main contender for Bible John was John Irvin McInnes in 1996 Strathclyde police exhumed the body of John Irvin McInnes from a graveyard in Stonehouse in South Lanarkshire McInnes who had served in the Scots Guards had committed suicide in 1980 at the age of 41. He had been the cousin of one of the original suspects in the murders. A DNA sample was taken from McInnes's body for comparison with semen samples discovered upon the stockings which w- with which victim Helen Puttock had been strangled. The, re- the results of the testing conducted proved inconclusive with then Lord Advocate Lord Mackay saying that there was a possible link between McInnes and the murder of Helen Puttock. The Crown would officially clear McInnes of any involvement in the Bible John murders in July of 1996. So this leaves us with the kind of current and main suspect, and I feel like if anyone knows this case, don't know the name already, but it was Peter Tobin. Many criminologists and investigators have suggested that the convicted serial killer is likely to be Bible John. Tobin was convicted in May of 2007 of a murder of a Polish student the previous year named, is that Angelika Kluck? I think so. Named Angelika Kluck, who'd been raped, beaten and then stabbed to death. He had actually relocated from Shettleston in Glasgow to England in 1969 after marrying his first wife, who he'd met at the Badlands. Can I just check? Have we mentioned Operation Anagram? Yeah, it's just C here. 
Ah, so that so that's yeah, right, that's fine. So they'll yeah, okay. In 2006, Operation Anagram was initiated to trace the movement of Tobin throughout the decades. Another woman informed investigators that she had been raped by Tobin after meeting him at the Barrowland Ballroom in 1968, and another woman reported a similar experience in 2010. When this woman viewed pictures of Tobin dating back to the 60s and 70s, she was adamant it was the same man and that she was 100% certain that Tobin was Bible John. One theory that backed up Tobin being Bible John is that it's very unusual for people to start murderous sprees that late on in their life. There's kind of usually early warning signs from the get-go. And additionally, there's a multitude of similarities. And I know we've said this before with other things, but it did seem, what well, does seem to add up Tobin um, and Bible John, which includes the strength of the facial similarities between a young Tobin and Bible John, the obsession with religion, the sexual deviance, and violence, because all three of Tobin's former wives have reported horrific ordeals of their marriage and his kind of sociopathic tendencies. There's the slightly crooked front teeth, the fact he grew up in Glasgow, the ages matched up. As he met his wife there, he seemed to also be a dance, can dance hall regular at the Barrowlands. And the killings seemed to end the same year that he left the city for a new life. Um, do you want to read the next part? No, it can't split Oh, yeah. Where will I go from? The... I'll just go from... Oh. Tobin was also known to the courts and is currently incarcerated at Sawton Prison in Edinburgh, having been served a whole life sentence in 2008. The judge at his first trial, Lord Menzies, described him as a, quote, evil man a judgment that no one has thought fit to appeal. Detectives speculate that Tobin could be responsible for a further nine murders. He has reportedly boasted of dozens more in prison, though won't concede to any officially. I mean, I feel like it's a bit... Would he just be, like, spouting that in prison to seem like the big man? You know what I mean? It's a bit like, in prison, you'd probably just send him to, like, make people kind of scared of you, maybe? Yeah, I feel like... A lot of prisoners have got, and I think it's like interesting is maybe the wrong word, but that whole thing when they get to prison with the lie, like for attention. So, yeah. And it's obviously one is because they want to seem pure big, bad, and scary, but I think a lot of it is also like they are really narcissistic, so they want the attention. And in his own words, I couldn't give a fuck about the families, which he said in the video, which. That's just, I mean, that's just a little insight into what a good guy he is. From inside prison, serial killer Peter Tobin has claimed that he is not Bible John, but bragged about committing all these other murders from his sickbed. The claims... Wait, is that claim? Wait, the claim... Oh, I'll say the claim was made. And is that died? Before... Is he dead? I don't think so. I looked this up. Peter Tobin, Don, dead. Yeah, no, he's not dead yet. He's not dead, right? Okay. Um, okay. 
The claim was made by a fellow con who believes Tobin is, quote, getting things off his chest before he dies from cancer. So I don't know what you guys think. There's There does seem to be a lot linking him to being Bible John. I mean, I think it's a good point to make that like people don't tend to start going on a murderous killing spree later on in life. It does, doesn't normally start when they're a bit younger. So there is that and... I mean, yeah, the whole the, there is some similarities with him, like meeting his, one of his wives at the Barrowlands. Obviously, he's from the area. I don't know. I mean, the, the timings kind of match up. And obviously, when it, the killing stopped is when he moved to Brighton. It's, it's a difficult one. I mean, there's obviously nothing really... We're probably never, probably never going to know. I mean, there's nothing really... T- no evidence tying him there, not that we know of right now. I think as well, just because the murders were so distinctive, like... It really, like, like you were saying, felt very much like a judgment that like these women yeah. were dancing, that were living their lives, like, because they weren't living by this, like, strict kind of religious way that this, like, guy obviously thought they should be. I don't know. I think it's difficult as well because, like, when, like, you're looking into it and stuff, none of the, the research, like, none of the evidence was kept properly. Like, they said that a lot of like, the semen samples as well just over the ages disintegrated, like, they weren't kept properly. So it's not even... Yeah, like, the time, they didn't really have... Yeah, I mean, they didn't really have much to... But they probably didn't have the knowledge or the facilities to kind of deal with that stuff properly. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one. I'd like to know what you guys thought, but, like, I don't know. It's one of these ones that's really annoying that we're probably never going to know. And I think that's so frustrating for the families because all you want yeah. after something like that is closure. Because and- I'm also thinking, like, if he's married what was he married like three times that's also like to me if well I mean if you are like a bit of a psychopath that could be indicative of like like a hatred for women almost because he's like never happy and just yeah I could see how that would develop into like a kind of um a hatred for women and the whole I mean the whole thing with like the the sanitary products like getting laid out could that be partly of like a disgust thing yeah, like almost to shame them. I yeah, think. I think yeah, I think that's like an interesting possibility because again, like at this time, things were a lot kind of more taboo and like conservative. So like, I feel like that could be. It probably would be one of those things that you wouldn't ever talk about your periods and you wouldn't, you know, like if you did have to go and like um, put in like a, a use a sanitary product, you'd have it like really hidden. Like you wouldn't, you know, have you wouldn't have them on display and you wouldn't like you know be, be able to visibly like see you carrying one so like yeah it might be like a thing about shame and trying to embarrass them and yeah it's a difficult one I don't know I I feel like my gut instinct does say it was probably him but but I'm also like why if he does want to conf- like if he is trying to brag about how many murders he's committed why wouldn't he just own up to it I mean this is one of the most like notorious serial killers from Glasgow like these crimes were so famous like wouldn't you lap up that shit like if it was like because serial killers love that stuff like they love all the attention like they love to you know some of them like um Dahmer like he wanted to get caught like he was trying to get caught because he was like you know the attention he just loved the attention and stuff so I feel like especially if you knew you were going to be in prison for the rest of your life anyway wouldn't you just admit it and then you'd get you know obviously that recognition a lot of them crave so I don't know, like, why commit, um, or sorry, 
I'd admit to all of these to like however many murders he's saying he's killed like dozens of people but not actually like own up to being such a famous serial killer like even if you weren't him it wouldn't surprise me if some people like falsely claim to be because again it's just like it's that recognition like he's you you become in a twisted way a bit of a celebrity I don't know as well I'm not saying this is the case but it's not uncommon for this to happen obviously as a detective and like the police they had so much public pressure they, like this took over Glasgow at the time like for a year yeah so they had so much pressure to kind of get public safety back because like Glasgow already was notorious for crime and then this obviously on top it was mm-hmm. it, where you then are you shoehorning someone into the category because you want to close it so badly yeah it's like just desperately trying to get someone just so that you know it looks as if they've solved it but I mean again I don't really think that this is them shoehorning him into it because I do think there is some kind of reasoned um justifications and like actual things that do point to him possibly being Bible John like I don't think it's just this they like plucked one thing out of the air and was like yeah this proves it like there is a couple of things that could point to him being Bible John. So I guess it's like, I could see that they would really, really want to have someone um, pinned for this, but I also don't think it's them just like trying to scramble and find anyone. Like I do think there is some legitimate theories for like the backup Tobin being Bible John. And it must have been because they put so much effort into trying to, and it wasn't, it wasn't like he was randomly there at the time. It was years later that someone- yeah. This has given me very a lot of similarities between Bible John. We need to investigate this more. Yeah, because I feel like if it like you know if it was if it's like years and years later, there isn't obviously that same pressure to find someone. So you wouldn't the, the police wouldn't really feel the, the urgency to just like pin it on anyone. Like they would probably only really investigate someone if they actually thought it was like there was a legitimate possibility of them finding the perpetrator. Because obviously, police resources are pretty fine as you know pretty slim as they are so I feel like they wouldn't really waste that on someone that like, doesn't have like a you know an actual likelihood of being the killer so I could see if it was like actually at the time it might be a little bit less credible but yeah as you're saying like it's quite a few years later there isn't that same like pressure to pin it on someone which I think again does kind of make it more likely I feel like the police would probably be a bit more confident that it could be him yeah, I do. I kind of think that this will be the closest we ever get to finding out. Yeah. Which is really frustrating. Um, I hope it's not very frustrating for everyone else. I know an unsolved case can be... Well, this is, I would say, partially unsolved, because I think most people do agree that it was him, but obviously he's never admitted it to it. No DNA samples really have ever came out. So... Yeah, it's, it's like one of those that you, everyone kind of think... Everyone has like an opinion, but like... It's not been proved. Yeah, it's kind of like half solved, half not solved. It's almost more annoying though when you kind of you kind of know who it is, but you can't really say that it is him. Yeah, and it's like he's obviously not willing. It's like even the fact that he's said about loads of murders in prison, but he won't speak to the police about it. It's almost like because you have no power left because you're in prison, you'll do yeah. You pull your cards to your chest because it keeps you kind of hor- business hor- relevant. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's, I think, if I was a betting man, I probably would put my money on it being him. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, like, satisfied that it probably is him, but it is just annoying that we'll probably will never know. And I kind of wish he would just admit it, if it is him. 
because again like some of them get this twisted satisfaction from like you know from the families and stuff like it, obviously it causes them so much grief like not being able to know and they don't get closure and a lot of um like killers and stuff really lap that up and really enjoy that which is really sick and twisted so maybe that's why if it is him he's not admitting to it um but yeah I hope this hope this hasn't frustrated you guys too much I know it can be annoying like to not have a resolution but I still kind of enjoyed this one it's such a like iconic Glasgow case I think yeah I quite like doing cases like it's weird when like you're reading through them and you know all the places I know when when you like we were saying like oh the guy that went up to George Square and got like a, yeah. a bus or whatever I was like oh yeah <laughs> normally mean Joanne if you have to sit and like google how to say places and everything oh my god I know we're like so stressed about how to pronounce stuff but here we're like ah yes something familiar um Chad's Abby intro Abby intro so guys, that's us for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. It was a bit, I think this might be our first uns- well, unsolved in quotes. Yeah, so, well, we ha- if we have done one, we haven't done it for a while, so. Yeah, so, yeah, we hope everyone enjoyed it and everyone's well. Um, and give us a wee follow on all the socials as per We Review an Apple podcast. And we'll be back soon, guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeet. Woohoo! Let me stop the.